You're listening to the Unstoppable Business Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lee. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Brian. It's great to talk with you. For sure, man. So when people ask you, what do you do? How do you answer that exactly? The first thing I always ask is, do you know what a podcast is? Because a lot of people (laughs) don't or they I can sense from their hesitation that they might not want to say whether they do. So sometimes I just briefly explain what a podcast is. I just say in short, it's like a talk show on the Internet. You can download it for free and listen to it anywhere through your mobile device. And then I tell them what I do. And that is that I make solutions for podcasters. I help people podcast through products, services and recommendations so that they can start and grow their own podcasts for passion or profit. Wow, that's really great, man. I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Awesome. So, Daniel, what inspired you to start on this journey of podcasting? It was listening to podcasts myself. When Apple came out with iTunes 4.9 back in 2005, that opened a whole new world of podcasts to me. And I loved it because I had a 75 minute commute, 75 minutes one way. So I was driving for over an hour and a half, Mm -hmm. uh, almost an hour and a half, just one way. And I would, I went through all of the audio books I was interested in. I tried local talk radio and it just wasn't interesting me enough because local talk radio or talk radio on the broadcast is almost all the same stuff. It's politics, sports, religion, relationships, finances, news. It's basically that, maybe a couple of things thrown in. So when I discovered podcasts, I found the power of the niche and I loved it. And uh, I even used my laptop computer. I would set it in the passenger seat of my car because I didn't have an iPod back then and the iPhone wasn't even (laughs) a thing then. Uh So I had my, my computer sitting in the passenger seat of my car playing the podcast through the speakers while I was driving. And at some point, I just realized I could do this. I have some things that I would like to share with the world. And a podcast seems like a fun and interesting way to do that. And I know how to do many of these things. So I started getting into it with at first a comedy podcast. And then as I got into podcasting and following tips and information others were sharing on podcasting, I always felt like there was something missing from what was out there. People weren't giving in-depth instructions or they weren't sharing all of the potential options or they were sharing only one particular way, which wasn't really the best way to do something. And I felt like I have something to add to this space because I come from a production and public speaking background. So I have a perspective that I thought might be of value to some other people. And then the Audacity to Podcast was born in 2010 which then led to the opportunity to start a business with it and a whole lot of other opportunities started all from that podcast. Wow, that's pretty amazing journey, man. So uh, the comedy podcast came first and then uh, somewhere along the line, you found like you had something to share, right? That was sort of missing in the marketplace. And then you started Audacity to podcast. That was a long time ago, 2010. Yeah, almost coming up on 10 years uh, pretty soon. How has that journey been? It's been amazing because Uh it's putting your voice out in a space and educating people. And I'm sure that you've learned this as well with your podcast, Brian. 
-hmm. educating people on a particular niche helps you build influence within that niche and helps establish you as an authority, especially when people can hear you speak with your voice. That's a beautiful power in podcasting is that it's not a sentence on the screen that can be edited to perfection. It is your voice. People can hear how passionate you are, how knowledgeable you are, how well you can communicate ideas through your voice. That makes a much more intimate and influential connection with people. And seeing that as a result of my podcast has been amazing and seeing the business opportunities that come from that too. And my business exists because of the podcast and the podcast supports the business. And having put my voice out there and sharing things because I wanted to be helpful has opened up opportunities to speak internationally. It's uh, opened up wow. opportunities to be an advisor to mm -hmm. different companies, to build great relationships with partners and others in this industry, and to accomplish a lot of dreams that I had. And most importantly for me is to create a lifestyle that can support my or create a business that can support the lifestyle that I want to live with my son. Wow, that's amazing. So how did this all happen? Like when you started this business, Audacity to Podcast, um, how did that grow? And like, did it did it hit off right away? Like people vibe with it on day one or did it take some time? It was pretty quickly a, a wow. hit, I think. I started it naming it the audacity to podcast with two meanings to the name one is i know a lot of people were searching for information about how to use audacity the software program for oh, podcasting nice. yeah so that's part of why i named it that way is because i wanted that search engine optimization and not many of the other podcasts about podcasting at that time were talking about audacity specifically so I wanted to talk more about audacity, but it's always been about the guts. And that's really the meaning of when I say the audacity to podcast is right. it's about the guts to podcast. Uh -huh. So early on, a lot of people were finding me because of that search engine optimization with the title, as well as being mentioned in other podcasting areas, like other podcasts about podcasting. And way back then in 2010 was when new and noteworthy actually meant something more than it does today. Mm -hmm. And the audacity to podcast was featured on the front page of then iTunes in the new and noteworthy section. Amazing. And that brought a lot of people. And certainly mm -hmm. I saw the big dip afterward, but building quality content, I think is what helped me more than anything else, more than being featured anywhere or being mentioned by anyone, just building quality content consistently is the best thing that I've done to build the podcast and the audience. I see. So uh, some people who work with content uh, usually, you know, say like content is the most difficult thing, right? Like it's like king, yet it takes so much time and so much effort. Uh, what sort of challenges, you know, did you face during that time and how did you overcome them with content? I planned ahead of time. And that's something that I learned from public speaking is that if you mm -hmm. want to be a better public speaker, then plan better. Okay. And, you know, there are those quotes about if you want to chop down a tree, spend most of the time sharpening the ax. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what I did before I launched the podcast was I made a list of about 35 topics that I wanted to cover. And each of those topics was going to be an episode of the Audacity to Podcast. And okay. so I knew in general where I wanted to go with the show 
what I wanted to cover in the future. So that gave me some vision and a plan for where I'm going with all of this. And that's why I recommend for many other people do when they're thinking of starting a podcast. But that that list, there are still items on that list. Here we are almost 10 years later. There are still right. items on that list that I have not covered yet because I've been adding to that list ever since then. Oh, wow. Okay. Gotcha. So is that like sort of like an inspiration splurge? Like you, you have bouts of inspiration and you just put them all on paper and then you just execute on them? Yeah, it's an idea comes to my mind or sometimes it's multiple ideas. I'll, I'll think of one thing and I realize, oh, this is a much bigger subject and I should split this into multiple episodes or mm -hmm. I'll hear something somewhere. And, and it's really important, I think, to have a way to capture ideas like that where just in the moment that inspiration hits, which could hit at any time to be able to capture that and save it so that you could do something with it again in the future. Gotcha. Okay. So Daniel, um, throughout this entire journey, what sort of challenges did you have to face and what were some of the big ones that you had to face? Besides the thing that most people face when they're starting off growing an audience, I, I made some bad decisions along the way. Like when I first okay. started my business, mm -hmm. my thought was I was a web designer at that time at a nonprofit organization. I wanted to be a freelance web designer. And I was thinking, I have this podcast about podcasting and every podcaster needs a website that looks and works great. So I'll be the web designer for podcasters. What mm -hmm. I didn't realize okay. is that that's not really a good business model or it wasn't <laughs> for me because mm -hmm. the podcasters... I was reaching didn't want to pay thousands of dollars for a really high quality website. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I started to shift more into helping them with podcasting solutions and consulting and fixing things for them in their podcast, recommending things. Another mistake I made along the way was I mentioned that a lot of people came to my podcast because they wanted to learn about audacity. I thought, one of the ways I could monetize my podcast and build a business is making some premium training resources for Audacity. So I promoted to my audience that I was going to do this one day webinar where I was going to teach how to use Audacity. You would get the recordings afterward. I was really excited about it. I got four people to register oh, man. and that was it. <laughs> and I realized later uh -huh. this was a mistake because I'm, wanting to sell a product to people who are using the tool because it's free. So right. why would they be willing to pay mm -hmm. a couple hundred dollars <laughs> when mm -hmm. they're using this because they don't have to pay for it? Right. Yeah. Wrong audience, huh? Yeah. And wrong, wrong marketing, mm -hmm. wrong, wrong approach to it really. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then how did that evolve? Well, I did learn from that, that there is a much better power in creating a resource that can be sold to tens, hundreds, thousands of people than trying to help people one-on-one -on -one. because I was doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one consulting and there would be the schedule to work it out, the follow-up, the, the questions, right. mm -hmm. preparing for different situations and such. When I could make often a course or a tutorial or something like that, that could help hundreds of people and it would take me a little bit more work to do it well 
but it's one of those things where you invest the hard work up front and then it can become a form of passive income. And so I learned more about how to communicate through training, through interactive training, especially with right. all of the consulting that I've done through the years to learn what are the needs people have? Where are the hurdles of things that people don't understand or, or struggle with along the way? And then thinking about how can I help them with this? How can I communicate this in a way that will not make them feel like they're being talked down to, you know, here's a crayon, go make a podcast with this while you're coloring with your crayons, but help them to understand the picture fully and equip them to make decisions on their own, as well as pointing them in the right direction in ways that they can understand what they're choosing and what they're doing. Are you an expert or course creator trying to monetize your online course? Well, use our one-page template to get more paying students to your online course without marketing overwhelm or sleazy sales tactics. You can download this for free at unstoppablebusiness.com. Now, back to the show. And so when this first course, uh, when you were building this first course, learning how to put it all together, um, like how long was that process? Was it months? Did it take like just a couple of weeks? Well, that first webinar sort of course was, I actually don't remember how much time I spent preparing (laughs) it because it was a lot of stuff that I already knew. I built an Mm -hmm. outline Mm -hmm. and talked through it and planned. I knew approximately how long it would take to, to train through things, but I never actually sold that training as a standalone course. Whereas as a couple of years later, I did make my mm-hmm. SEO for podcasters course, which was mm-hmm. the first course that I've made and sold as a standalone. Okay. And I think that's been successful. And so that was uh, days and days and days of solid in-depth work on it from preparing, yeah. recording, mm-hmm. editing, but a lot of time just spent going through things. And, and what I discovered as I was even presenting the content for the video is I would have an idea along the way. So I would stop the video recording and then jot it down as a note that this is something I need to cover in the next lesson or next section, or this is a whole other thing, piece of value that I should add to this course along the way. And Mm -hmm. that first course, I I felt like because it was so um, kind of, ad libbed as I was making it and not to say that the value was low, but I spent more time preparing it while also making it. I think that that made it much harder than for me to produce that later because there were so many edit points, so many transitions. I just made it more complicated on myself than if I had Mm. prepared it all before I started pressing mm-hmm. record and even rehearsed it mentally before I started recording. Would you say you're somewhat of a perfectionist? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm a type of perfectionist that doesn't mm-hmm. like being called a perfectionist because I have a better <laughs> word for it. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I consider myself a productionist, okay. which I would say is, yes, I like to strive for perfection, but I won't kill myself for it 
there's a point where I say, this is good enough. I want it to be as mm -hmm. good as possible. Mm -hmm. I want it to be Hollywood level quality right. as much as possible, recognizing the limitations I have and mm -hmm. limitations that I might have uh, both in finances and time and what's reasonable, but still seeking to make it the absolute best that I can. Awesome. Yeah, that's the best way. So with that course, the SEO for podcast course, what kind of breakthroughs do you have with that? You said you it was quite successful? Yeah, it was the first time that I created a video course and sold on its own. And what I really enjoyed was seeing the responses from people that because SEO is certainly a highly covered subject on the Internet. You can go anywhere right. and find mm -hmm. SEO experts and courses and tutorials mm -hmm. and such. Almost no one was talking about search engine optimization for podcasters, let alone giving accurate advice. There's still to this day, there's a lot of inaccurate information and now some bad advice as well, along with SEO in podcasting. And so it was great to see people saying, wow, I never knew I could use this tool or wow, I never thought of it this way. And my whole approach to that course was not to guarantee you're going to grow your audience by this or you're going to get this many more people coming to your website because of this SEO. But what I really wanted to focus on and what I think the, the students have taken away from it is how to make their podcasts better. That's the kind okay. of optimization that we were really looking for is optimizing it for humans who use search engines. And mm. it's neat to see that light bulb go off in people, either when I've presented yeah. short versions of the course as a live presentation or uh, hearing the feedback from the students, seeing that light bulb coming on that they realize, oh, so I don't have to worry about specific keywords and stuff. I just need to make really good content and leverage these tools to help with that good content. So Daniel, what kind of products are you working on today that you find most exciting to you? I'm working on an all new version of the SEO for podcasters course, because being that it was the first course I created, it it's, it's a little bit rough with being able to go through the course. Like each session is one video and that's about an hour long video. So it's 10 hours of content broken into one hour long videos. That's a bit hard to digest. So I'm right. redoing the entire thing, okay. updating all of the information as a lot of it has been updated. And it's really going to be an all new course. And so I'm working on that. I'm also working on a new version of mypodcastreviews.com, which is a service that goes into all of the global Apple Podcasts locales. There are 155 of them. It goes into all of these different places, gathers your reviews and sends them to you automatically so you don't have to go through and switch them, which you can do manually in iTunes, but on your iPhone or iOS device or the new Mac OS Catalina with the new Apple Podcast app, you cannot switch your country that you're looking at. So it's not possible for you to see your reviews, let alone copy and paste them or to see all of them. So I have this service that does that automatically, and I'm working on a radical new version of that that will offer a lot more data for podcasters. Wow, that's awesome. How did you get into like the app development field? Again, it was an idea that I thought the space needs something like this. And I've 
dabbled a little bit with programming in the background. I ended up hiring some developers to help me with that first version of the app, but I've done a lot of the coding for the, the next version. And it was just really recognizing a need and finding a way to fill that need, making the process easier for podcasters so that they can focus on what matters most. That's creating great content and engaging their audience. And so I just, I come up with these different ideas and I, I try and decide which of these are reasonable for me to do, which of these fit with my goals for my business and how can I make this happen? Gotcha. Okay. It seems like Daniel, that you have a lot of um, good ideas where, you know, they just work out. What would you say is your process for finding a need within a marketplace? Thinking, listening, observing, doing you really have mm -hmm. to be in this space i see this happen a lot in podcasting groups on facebook and other places where someone comes in they want to make a business serving podcasters so they come in asking podcasters what are your pain points and there's a little bit of a place for that but it's so much better to get in there yourself and discover what are the needs what are the pain mm -hmm. points and for me that's what i was doing is right I was in the trenches. I was podcasting myself. I still am. And so I know there are these certain pain points thinking, oh, this is frustrating. Why do I have to click 20 times here when it should just be one or two clicks instead? Mm -hmm. Things like that. Gotcha. And observing others, hearing what others say as frustrations or what questions do I see others frequently asking inside of these groups or asking me. And then even uh, since my audience is my ideal customer as well, asking them, what are some of the needs you have? What are the, some of the things you want to know and finding from that, what things can be turned into products or services or what things can be just put out as a free resource, like a podcast episode or a blog post that can help others. And right. at the same time as helping others, it can help build the business, build the reputation and, and help build that influence so that people will know, like, and trust me so that when I do have something to sell later, they'll know the quality of what I offer and the, the, the passion behind it and the vision behind what I want to do and how I want to serve them. So they'll be much more likely to buy. Wow. That's great. Yeah. I love that. So Daniel, what you mentioned vision, like what is your vision, your five to 10 year vision from now? I'm in a bit of a transition point right now and still trying to figure out some of that. But ultimately, it, it goes back to why I even started this podcast and this business helping podcasters. I want to equip others to share their passions mm. or find success. Mm. And for myself, I want to make a business that allows me to be a full time dad and not be constantly worrying about, oh, I really need to be working on this thing. I really should be working instead of spending time with my son. No, spending time with my son is more important. And I want my business to make that possible. So for me, that's my vision, is to be able to continue doing that, to be there for my son every day, and to, to build something that even someday, when I'm gone, when I'm dead, however that occurs, right. that there would be some legacy left behind mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. my son would be provided for as well through that. Oh, that's wonderful, man. 
So Daniel, is there anything else you want to say to our audience out there listening? If you're thinking of starting a podcast, creating a course, making a product, whatever it is, there are two pieces of of advice that I give often, and these may seem counter, but they really aren't. One is don't try to be perfect. Don't wait for everything to be in line perfectly. Don't wait until you can afford all of these super expensive gear before you start producing things or the software or whatever it is. Don't wait for perfection because you'll never reach it. Jump in. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the other side of this advice is jump in with a plan. Know where you want to go. Know what it is that you want to cover. Spend more time upfront planning so that when you jump in, you have a vision for it. You know where you're going and you can spend more time than creating something great than trying to perfect something that may not be ready for perfection yet.